Hello, everybody. This is Kevin Witham, and welcome to Season 3 of the Common Grounds Unity Podcast. Jesus valued unity and prayed for it, that we may all be one. We believe unity is best achieved through relationships rather than beginning with disagreements over doctrine, practice, or ideology. We value the gathering, breaking bread, and sharing a cup of coffee or your favorite beverage. We invite you to gather with another Christian outside your particular family of churches and tell others that unity starts with a cup of coffee. So grab a cup and let's get started with another episode of the Common Ground Unity Podcast. Well, we welcome you to another discussion on our Common Ground Unity Podcast. Good to be with you again for another a good dialogue. We've got a great guest with us today. want to say that my co-host, the usual co-host here, uh, Tina Bruner, she is not feeling well today. So we uh, just want to say to Tina, we hope you're feeling better soon. We miss you when you're away. But stepping in today is Drew Baker, who's going to co-host. And you've perhaps met Drew recently on on one of our programs on YouTube, Uh a dialogue that was had recently. And Drew is now the Associate Executive Director of Common Grounds Unity. He's working with our larger ministry. Drew, welcome to the podcast. And uh, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're doing with Common Grounds Unity. Thank you, Kevin. Um, I am a Church of Christ person, born, raised, and formed. And uh, right now I live in North Carolina with my family. Uh, I got a wife who's a nurse practitioner for uh, pediatric kids and uh, we've got two two kids, two teenagers, um, but I, I started helping out with uh, Common Grounds last summer, just helping out with the uh, newsletter, and then John tends to just draw people into greater involvement, and that is a gift of his, and so here I am uh, trying to take on a, a bigger role and just really enjoying the experience of getting to know so many different people that are unity-minded and doing amazing things in the kingdom, so thanks for having me on, Kevin. Oh, absolutely, Drew. We're, we're so happy to have you on board and just are eagerly anticipating how God uses you in this ministry. We appreciate your heart for unity. Uh, I got to know Drew many years back when uh, I was preaching in Austin, Texas, and uh, he and his family were a part of that church for a while. So we got to be in the same congregation and uh, get to know one another there before he moved on to some other things. So it's good to be back with you, Drew. Yes. Um, want to mention just a, a little bit of news before we introduce our guest. Um, Common Grounds Unity is going to have a table at the Stone Campbell Journal meeting, which is April the 14th through the 15th at Johnson University. So if you're going uh, to that gathering, uh, we hope you'll stop by the Common Ground Unity table. I think you can meet John Teal there um, and, and get to know him personally and get to know more about this ministry. And then a couple weeks later, we got Harbor at Pepperdine, and Kevin, you are teaching a class, The Common Grounds of the Gospel. Does that have anything to do with this? Uh, what, what's that going to be about? Just a little bit. Absolutely. We're going to take some time and explore uh, biblical teaching on unity, uh, how the gospel really unites people together in common unity and fellowship, and I hope folks that are at Pepperdine will drop in and join us. I, it, it, this is the first time, I think, in my memory that, that I've been given an eight o'clock a.m. time slot. So come wow. away, get a cup of coffee if you're joining us. I usually like those a little later in the morning classes, but happy anytime I can talk about uh, unity. 
And then, Drew, I've heard that uh, we're hosting a booth at the Pepperdine Lectures at Harvard this year and that there's going to be a benefit dinner and reception. Tell us a little bit about that dinner, the day, the time, and the venue. Absolutely. So it's going to be on that Thursday. That's May 4th, I believe. And it is going to be at 4.30 to 6. And it's going to be at the home of Sam and Sarah Jackson. Sarah Jackson is the chancellor of Pepperdine. And she has uh, graciously opened up her home for us to be there. We're going to have Build Your Own Fajitas. Jeff Walling is going to be speaking. Kevin, Mm -hmm. you're going to be giving a little message in there. And it is going to be a wonderful time to uh, just get to know each other, rub elbows with some folks, and hopefully raise some funds for this amazing work. So hope you can make it. Looking forward to that and looking forward to seeing you there and uh, John and, and others. So join us at that, uh, that great event. Now, I want to introduce our guest today. Um, our guest is a person whose name I've known of for many years. Uh, I've run across things that he's written uh, you perhaps have heard him speak in different places. He's one of these individuals that uh, interacts so well across all the streams of the Stone Campbell Restoration Movement. His name is Dr. Stanley Helton, and uh, Dr. Helton is the president of Alberta Bible College in Calgary. So uh, that alone um, makes him an interesting individual to, to learn of the, the work that he does both at the college and then in that part of the world, stands passionate about working with God's people, seeking God's mission. He holds a Bachelor's of Arts from Oklahoma Christian University, an MS and MDiv and DMIN from Abilene Christian University, a Master of Theology, and a PhD from New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. His dissertation on the text of Acts and the writings of Origen has recently been published by Peter's Publishers and Booksellers of Belgium. Uh, His concentrations of study include biblical languages, New Testament, and church history, and he keeps up with trends in church health, spiritual formation, missions, and leaderships. He served in a variety of academic and ministry settings, again, serving across the streams of the Stone Campbell movement. He and his wife, Pat, live in Calgary, and they've got a daughter, Rachel, uh, who is married to Cody Hart. So, uh, Stan, we're so glad to have you with us today. Well, thank you. Thank you, guys. So good to be with you, and I appreciate that introduction. So, Stan, uh, I hear you're an you're a, a academic person. You've got a lot of degrees there. You are a servant of the church. Uh, tell us a little bit about your spiritual journey. What, what brought you to where you are now? Okay, well, let's uh, start at the beginning. Maybe not the day I was born, but um, I'm a vacation Bible school kid. When I was five or six, I was invited to a vacation Bible school, and Frankly, the Churches of Christ had better cookies and pop, soda. They had better, better refreshments, and uh, that got my that got my attention. Uh, but from that point forward, I grew up within the acapella Churches of Christ and educated, as you just gave the list of uh, degrees that I earned within the context. Um, I actually went to Preston Road School of Preaching before I did my undergraduate program, so I'm kind of deeply entwi- entwined with uh, a history. I like to say that I am a part of of the Churches of Christ is kind of my default. You know, it's who I am at, at, at the core. It's the it's the church that shaped me. Uh, but I I also belong, and I think this is where my interest in in uh, unity and the restoration movement comes in. I'm part of, of 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 a deeper intellectual tradition within Churches of Christ that go back to people like. Uh, uh, John Willis and Everett Ferguson. In fact, Everett just had his 90th birthday, and I was able to be present for that just a few weeks back. 
And so I'm deeply tied into some of these deeper level conversations that may not be the everyday conversations in churches, but it ties me to, uh, to academics across the United States, across North America. And those of us that are in this world have always had great fellowship with those that were in the, the cousin traditions because we had kind of like-minded concerns about knowing the history and the implications of the history. And so, but my, my spiritual journey, let me get back to that real quick. It, it involves kind of the basic things, church camp in the summer, uh, bivocational uh, missions uh, right after high school, and uh, then the long journey. I've, I've ministered in a variety of churches along the way. So I've served in churches in Kansas and Texas, in uh, North Carolina, South Carolina, uh, New Orleans. In fact, we lived in the New Orleans area twice. It was my second time in the New Orleans area that I became connected with the Disciples of Christ for the first time and became a minister in one of their churches. And so um, I've served in Canada twice. This is my second time to be here, previously with Western Christian College, which is uh, an a cappella college that no longer exists. It, it went out of business a few years back. And so so that's kind of the, the short of it. I mean, Youth Scandal rallies. I, I can give you all the little pieces, but you guys would probably recognize them. Yes, absolutely. Your your story up up to those youth rallies sounds so much like mine. Vacation Bible school, summer Bible camp, yeah. uh, youth rallies uh, that formed and shaped me. I, I heard you say something though. You said they served pop, which kind of shows what part of the continent you're on. Yeah. Um, and you know, I grew up going to vacation Bible school. All we ever got was punch. So I'm a little bit jealous there. Uh, uh. I, I don't. I don't remember any good uh, sodas there at VBS, but uh, well, I grew I grew up in Oklahoma, and we called it pot there. Yeah, uh, very but, good. But I, I I can you're you're not as bad off as Canadian youth who grew up with what we call church juice, and it's <laughs> it's an orange tang Kool Aid mix, and we just uh, call yeah. it church we just call it church juice because it seems to be at every fellowship. Yeah, my dad used to call the stuff we served Church of Christ punch because it seemed to be at everything, you know. <laughs> So, uh, you know, listening to your, your, uh, your life, your education, your career, and how it's taking you, taking you through the various streams of the Stone Campbell movement, um, it, it leads me to just ask this question. Tell us about your heart for unity and how that okay. enables you to live and to work across these streams so effectively. Oh, well, effective is kind of an interesting word. I'm not sure it's always effective, my friends, but. Um, uh, I don't know that I ever set out to be kind of a, a, you know, a unity person. That was probably never my intent. I became fascinated with the ideas that people could disagree and stay together. That there was, an, in fact, it was demonstrated in the church of my youth. I remember every time in the Sermon on the Mount where we got to Jesus, love your enemy and don't retaliate, that we had, we had both the hawks and the pacifists talking to each other in church. And that conversation happened every time, but nobody decided they could had to go to church somewhere else. And I remember that as a part of my youth of people being able to disagree and stay connected. And obviously in the polarized times that we live in now, that's a pretty fascinating skill to have is if you can disagree. But, but I've, I've been able and I've helped others to be able to say, you can take a stand and still stay connected to those who don't agree with you. It is mm -hmm. possible. And, I, and of course, you know, in some of my education, I had, 
I had some excellent role models. You know, I had um, Doug Foster was one of my profs. In fact, Doug's first year at uh, Abilene Christian was my first year of grad study there. So, so Doug's not that much older than me, but he was my prof. And, and so Doug's always had a passion for unity. And so, um, so, you know, it it interests me what you're saying there, because I've seen that in all the congregations that I've been in in my life, Mm -hmm. you know, a great deal of diversity. You might have a Wednesday night or a Sunday morning Bible class where you have the pacifist and the military person, or there's two people that differ greatly on how the Holy Spirit operates and functions Uh and expressing those. And they go away still members of the same church, still brothers and sisters. Uh Why do you suppose we do that pretty well, fairly well at a congregational level in within the congregation? But then if a church across town uh, holds some different view, we've been so quick to divide. Isn't that an interesting experience you just expressed? And Well, I'm usually the person that, that's willing to go over and visit the other group and get to know them personally. So that's, that would be my role is if, if our church decided they didn't like another church, I would probably be the person who goes visit, you know? So I have firsthand experience, but you know, the interesting things is, is we can talk about each other if we don't have relationships, but if once we sit down and we have relationships, things begin to change. We look at people differently when we get to know them. And so one of the things I've always done in my ministry is I'm, I'm kind of a history nut. So I always try to figure out, okay, what, what kind of stone Campbell history stuff has taken place in this place before I got here? So I do that. Who else is here? For example, in Florence, South Carolina, we found, uh, found out that we had an uh, independent Christian church across town from us. And um, I went, I knocked on the door and said, hey, I'm working in this town where you're working in this town. John wasn't there at the time. He did eventually. John Promison was the pastor of that congregation. And John and I became quick friends because we were common allies in ministry. But John had never, to that point, I think John was originally from Indiana or one of the Midwestern states, but John had never had any close encounters with an acapella Church of Christ person. He obviously knew they existed, but he actually never had any reason to have contact. So so, um, so I'm usually the guy who say, if there's a possibility of building a bridge, a conversation bridge, then, then we'll do it. Um, I remember another time when I was serving in the Chicago area, I got to meet uh, Steve Staten of the International Churches of Christ. And Steve and I met at a coffee shop and uh, we were like cousins who had the same relatives. Before long, we were having these conversations as if we were part of the same tribe. <laughs> and so, and so, so part of that networking is just kind of the way I've been made. That's that's really great. I love how you kind of describe your, yourself as a bridge builder and you're willing yeah. to go out and make those relationships. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think we all know that we have people in our fellowship that really don't want those bridges to exist, uh, who want you to advocate for a certain tribe and yeah. why your tribe is, you know, has it all figured out or or is in some way better or the only Um, have you experienced much pushback or rejection because of your willingness to go across these boundaries? And if so, how have you handled that? Yeah, I, I think of, I'm, I'm always held at some arm's length by some. I remember attending an event that was, uh, kind of an exclusively an acapella church of Christ kind of event. And I remember hearing, actually hearing across the room, why is he here? I don't know that I was supposed to hear that, but I did. (laughs) <laughs> and when I, when I greeted that individual, 
I acted as if I had not heard it at all. Mm -hmm. It was to me like third hand information. And so it doesn't matter. And so I think the willingness of, of being with those who find your presence uncomfortable is one of the things that we have to risk. By the way, that that particular church now has me and uh, members of my my college team there regularly now. And so That's this great. this was five years ago, and and this church was known for its kind of exclusive posture. And within five years, we've got a very different relationships because we've sat with the leaders, we've cried with them, we've worked through the difficult stuff of ministry together, and and we've shown that uh, whatever resources we have, they're welcome to. If there's anything that we have that's good, you're you certainly can have it. You know. Stan, I love what you're saying. This this really gets at the heart of what Common Ground Unity is about. You know, we've got this motto, uh, unity starts with a cup of coffee. You know, it doesn't start with looking at somebody's statement of belief. There you go. Uh, we're holding up for those that are listening our cups of coffee yeah. and, uh, as and, we're looking and, at one and, another. And as a Canadian, I need to point out this is Tim's. Gotcha. This is <laughs> Tim's Tim, coffee. Tim Hortons. Yeah. Tim Hortons. I've heard okay. of that. Yes. All right. Very good. Well, it's, it's sometimes we get non-coffee drinkers on the podcast, and we 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 try to deal with that. But uh, you God know, loves you're, them you're, too. Amen. You're you're modeling this kind of uh, dialogue and refusal to just accept things as they are, and to be the mm -hmm. one to go across town and have these conversations. Um, mm -hmm. I, I love your intentionality about that and maintaining relationships across these boundaries that we've set mm -hmm. up. Tell us about um, some of the friendships that you've made and how they enriched your life and okay. your spiritual journey. Okay. Well, let me step back just to put in one little footnote, which is if our people would know the depths of church history, we'd know that our tribes used to sit together at some point in the genealogical flow of, of the, and so I just, I just refuse to exist that history has to be as it is today. But uh, let me move on to the other. Um, Various friends. I mentioned John Promison as one example, uh, Steve Staten in, in Chicago. Uh, here in uh, Calgary, I've become uh, good friends with Mike Lazine, who leads the International Church of Christ here in Calgary. And um, largely it starts with um, a meal or coffee. And so I build those bridges. Also, while I was serving in Louisiana, I was with the Disciples of Christ and and uh, they granted me ordination on the basis of my work in the churches of Christ. And so I've been able to carry that with me and I've, re, I've maintained my ordination status with the disciples. And so here in Canada, I have frequent uh, engagement with uh, Church of Christ folks, Christian church folks, disciples, international churches of Christ, and occasionally some of the splinter groups from the acapella churches, you know, the old non-cooperative as, as we used to call or non-Sunday school folks. So. Um, I find that most ministers are, um, they're in a job that they feel ill-equipped for. And I think reasonably so, they should, because we're speaking in the name of God each week. And so I think once you have a friendship where you can minister to each other's uh, inadequacies and willingness to confess that, to say, I can't do this thing alone, and I need somebody like you who understands the kind of work I'm doing and what what we found, we find, we found this in our missionary work over the years, is that oftentimes our missionaries would find kinship in other denominational groups uh, because there was somebody from the United States in the field that understood their situation. And so, 
ministers are uniquely poised to have a particular uh, role in a congregation that nobody, nobody in the congregation understands, really, mm-hmm. unless you're in that vantage point. And so to have somebody that understands that from the outside, uh, a safe place to talk, creating a safe place to talk, those kind of things. So, I love that uh, attitude of humility of, I cannot do this alone. I need yeah. others. I need others to help me uh, do what God's called me to do. Um, that works on the individual level, like just finding friends that can support you emotionally yeah. and, and uh, hold you accountable, that kind of thing. But I think too, there's, there's a lot institutionally that um, you and I, you know, we're raised church of Christ yeah. and we have come into contact with a broader group of Christians what are some ways that you have um, been aided or uh, maybe things that you've learned from other traditions, other streams of the restoration movement or beyond that have helped you either to see God more clearly or understand your ministry better mm. or just help you to be a disciple of Christ better? Can can you uh, speak to that? I, I find that within, within our traditions, there's certain instincts we all still have. We have this kind of deep trust in scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, we have basic patterns. In fact, it's really funny We because we think of ourselves as somewhat unspiritual against, say, Pentecostal styles of expressions. But the fact is, is we've had a liturgy for many, many years, and that liturgy has formed us and shaped us. And we, we had patterns. In fact, uh, I think it is sad that we don't have something similar to a Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night pattern because I'm watching the way how hard it is to form community when you don't see each other as often. Yeah. And so, so there were certain instincts that I think that have served us well. Um, my default position, for example, when I served the Carrollton Avenue church of Christ, um, we came into a church that was almost, almost gone there. My first Wednesday night there, there was just eight of us there, my wife, myself and the elders and their wives. Uh, when we when we left six years later, we had um, over eighty people on a Wednesday night, mm-hmm. and we built it on a New Orleans style uh, meal, which of course will pull in people. But we also built it on basic Bible study. We started it in Genesis, and I taught each week a section of scripture, just like I had done in Wayne, Oklahoma, as a child. Although I think it was a little more interesting. You know, I, I think we've had plenty of boring Bible classes, but we actually, uh, I think there's a lot of things that went into the revival of this church, but one of the key pieces was what we did on a Wednesday night, you know, and it revolved around the study of scripture. And so, so I think some of those instincts have, have served me well in working with others. Um, I've also learned from others, you know. Um, when you discover that the Pentecostals do, in fact, have a lot to teach you about the real presence of God, uh, there's room for for learning. And so, I, so um, I think I was learning how to be post-colonial before it was popular to be post-colonial. I didn't actually walk in assuming that my my particular flavor was absolutely right in every shape and form, and that others could add to this. And and so. Um, I don't see myself as, um, while I'm a teacher and I do lots of teaching, I do a lot of walking besides. And um, as, as one of my church members in, in South Carolina once said to me, don't, don't go to stand for answers. You'll just walk away with more questions. <laughs> I think that's a high compliment. I think I've done people well for the most part doing that over the years. 
because those questions were usually real questions of mine too. Hey everybody, we'll be right back with the rest of this episode. We want to take a moment to thank Mission Alive and Central Christian College of the Bible for sponsoring this episode. Mission Alive equips leaders to start innovative communities of faith focused on transforming marginal communities. They provide church planning training, apprenticeships, consulting, and discipleship cohorts, among other resources. They can also train you to be a nationally accredited coach through Catalyze Coach Training. This 28-week credential will equip you to impact and transform your church organization leadership and ministry. Learn how God can transform your life and ministry by going to missionalive.org. That's missionalive.org or emailing them at contact at missionalive.org. And Central Christian College of the Bible has low-cost, innovative, and flexible master's programs in ministry leadership and preaching that they want you to know about. These two-year programs are designed to be one-third online, one-third on campus, and one-third supervised ministry by an expert in your interest area. The mentoring courses can offer credit in your local ministry. Graduates like Dr. Don Mahardy and Jonathan Curtis are impacting the kingdom in deeper, more meaningful ways because of their education at CCCB. So find out more at cccb.edu front slash graduate. That's cccb.edu front slash graduate. I was I was just going to ask um, h- how being in a place like Calgary mm. has has fostered, if at all, a, a greater desire for broader fellowship and and a greater heart towards unity. You know, being out here on the West Coast and not being mm. in the buckle of the Bible Belt, you mm-hmm. know, I've, I've kind of felt that I, I need to. I, I want to fellowship with as many people I know that are in fellowship with God as possible. Um, it's a little more lonely in places like this. So how's that impacted you? I, I think I, I think New Orleans was very similar to, to Canada in some ways because it was on the fringe. It wasn't in the Bible Belt. It was a little more exotic. It wasn't it wasn't Protestant, you know, Central America, you know, uh, Central United States. Um, I live in a post-Christian country, and six um, percent of the total population are considered evangelicals. And so in the world that I live in, folks who go to church or church meetings or house meetings, they go because they're committed, not because um, grandma said they had to go to church. Hmm. Nobody, nobody goes to church here, for the most part, out of obligation. They do it because they're deeply committed to it. And I think my work with Alberta Bible College has continued the, the diversity because most of my students are not Stone Campbell uh, background. They come from various, often independent Pentecostal churches, but often ethnic churches, because 44% of my students uh, were not born in Canada. And about 20% of my students are truly international students. I've got about 85 students. So so it's a pretty good uh, portion of the population. And so I live in a diverse world in which I think some of the basics of the uh, restoration movement, I mean, if there's one thing about what Leonard Allen recently addressed this as, as seeing ourselves as part of the great stream of Christian tradition, that our core beliefs tend to be central to what the church has always believed. And those are things that I've been able to work out of regardless of 
the uh, particular background or denominational background or even ethnic background of the people that I work with. And so, but living in a post-Christian country, I think has uh, sharpened my thinking about it. Um, I see civil religion more clearly than when I lived in the States, you know, the mix of patriotism and, um, and Christianity. And um, so uh, there, there's some things that I think I see clear. There's, there are things I think we're experiencing here that those that are still in the Bible Belt in the United States better prepare for. Or they're, they're hoping that the world remain the same. It will not remain the same. It will eventually look like this mm. in a post-Christian country. And Calgary is one of the more evangelical centers of, of Canada. So there's lots of, of believers uh, of various stripes here. But we find ourselves working with not only folks within uh, the Christian tradition, but also those of other traditions as they immigrate to this part of the world. And so we, we do the same kind of bridge building that I would do between Christian denominations with our Muslim friends and friends from other parts of the world. Uh, we have lots of contact with First Nation people. And so we're learning a great deal about how the indigenous see the world and uh, how they see us and our place in it. So it's, it's a pretty rich diversity of things that we work through on a daily basis in terms of what it means to be a Christian in Canada. Isn't that wonderful? I love diversity. I love getting to know people that yeah. have different ways of understanding things. Uh, um, I taught Bible in Korea for, oh, for a year fine. and um, we had 11 different nationalities in our little class of 20 or so. And yeah. it's just fascinating to hear and to be able to humbly receive what other people can teach us mm -hmm. um, that we didn't have growing up. And it's just a a beautiful thing about like the kingdom it. and uh it's great to be in a, in a place where you get to experience that yes uh so as you know a lot of the people that listen to this podcast are involved in in church leadership whether that's yeah. official or whether that's in a vol volunteer basis uh do you have any advice that you would give to leaders or or any follower of jesus about how we can become more effective as peacemakers uh-huh well i think the first thing given a, a culture that is increasingly hostile to the christian faith Anybody that names the name of Jesus is more likely your friend than your enemy. Hmm. And that's where you start. But if, if church leaders aren't intentionally reaching out to their denominational friends, neighbors, trying to do the same kind of good, I found out a long time ago, we can all agree that it's proper to feed the hungry. So let's at least do that much work together. If there's nothing else we can do. Yeah. I think, I think uh, church leaders need to lead the way in what it looks like not to be isolationists. And, and I think our young people need to see this because they've just lived through two years in which they've really cocooned. And so they need some safe places to stretch their wings a little bit so that they can kind of reintegrate into a larger society and be part of it. So I think there's, those are things that I would say that you, you have to do. Create intentional opportunities. If, if in fact, you're at a place where you can't worship together because the differences are so great, can you guys at least figure out how to eat together, play cards <laughs> together? There's other things you can do. You don't have to. You don't have to do the marriage ceremony first. You know, you can date a little bit to see if there's any possibilities. <laughs> you know, so, so I, th I think in some ways it's just the willingness to to be connected and to 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 understand that. Uh, even even our denominational neighbors, they'll be looking for Jesus in us. And if they don't see Jesus in us, then they're going to make an assessment that Jesus can't be found there. Hmm. And I think we need to be aware of that. 
because we're, we're living particularly with the millennial and younger is a very cynical generation when it comes to anything that looks like institutional church. And so we're in the, in the throes of trying to figure out how do we decentralize in ways that keep churches viable from, say, an economic point of view uh, and from a leadership point of view. Because as we continue to see more and more house group opportunities coming up, it means that we have to be more creative about how we're going to theologically train people or we run the risk of not having those who know the deep traditions of the church within our groups. And so my value of education is not so much knowing things, it's knowing a particular thing. And it's the story to which we belong, not just the story of Scripture, but the deep story of God's actions over the last 2,000 years. Some sense of where we fit in that. So, Drew, I don't know. I think I probably went off to the side there, but. (laughs) No, that's great. That's great. That is some great advice. And Stan, you have, you've offered us some good wisdom from, from some years of experience and uh, some good advice for those seeking to be peacemakers. And uh, you said at the start that uh, you didn't necessarily, you know, unity wasn't necessarily your, I I, I don't want to word this wrong, your priority, but. But boy, from from the conversation, unity's been dear to your heart. Um, yeah, yeah, it's it's not it's not been my end game. My end game is to be faithful in the moment that I've been called. You know, so uh, yeah, we, we've grown up in very fractured time, and so any any semblance of unity is always welcomed. You know, whether well, and when you're living living close to the heart of Jesus, I didn't mean yeah. to cut you off. Finish no, no, go right. ahead. No, I was well, uh, I was saying that maybe. living in polarized time. Yeah, we're having that we're having that Zoom kind of lapse, aren't we? Yes, here you uh, go. We live in we live in a time of polarization. We need to be the people who show that we can stay connected. Yeah. Well, and and we're trying to to help encourage that, and and give uh, and you've done this for us meaningful ways mm-hmm. to accomplish that. So uh, thank you for the conversation. Our time has just flown by. Yeah, And I've enjoyed the conversation. I know our listeners will as well. I want to give people, I wanted to ask you before we uh, do something kind of fun here in just a moment, uh, Drew's going to kick us off with a lightning round here. We're, we're trying to have a little fun at the end of these and let people get to know our guests yeah. uh, in a different way than just the, the things they're on the podcast for. But before we do that, can you tell us just a little bit about your work at Alberta um, Bible College? And then you have a blog that people can access at snhelton.blog, and you've got some essays there. Tell us a little bit about what people will find at your blog, because we'd love for people to be able to read more of what you've sure. written and put together. Sure. I, I've generally written, too, that I think the blog that you listed was some of my church health stuff that I've written in the past, but I've also got a couple of more blogs I keep. I've got one that's called Stan Scolia. Scolia's were little notes in the margins of medieval manuscripts, and it's where I keep my nerdy stuff. So if anybody's interested in the nerd stuff, you'll find it there. But there's also um, Stan Study or something uh, that... Um, just biblical things that come to me. Oftentimes it'll be generated by things that I think we've misunderstood in the past that, that if we got a little clarity on, you know, I'm always working at trying to help people read scripture a little more holistically, a little more in context, a little more with a little more understanding. So, um, so you'll find some of those things there. Uh, you'll also well, find we'll some let. of my blogs on the, on ABC's on Alberta Bible college's website too. Okay. So, well, uh, John Teal, our producer, will probably put a few of those in the show notes for people. 
Sure. Um, so you sure. I'll that. be happy to make sure that uh, that John has those. So uh, let me tell you a little bit about Alberta Bible College. Started in 1932 in the Left Bridge Church of Central Church of Christ in Left Bridge, Alberta. It originally started before there was a deep separation between the disciples and the Christian churches, and so technically it started as a disciples school. In 1937, it moved to Calgary, and um, in uh, 1960 or so, it moved up into the neck of the woods where it is now, and so we've been serving folks. We just celebrated our 90th anniversary, and most of our students are adult students, um, more mature students, who are either changing careers. They're making the move from money to meaning, I call it, and or their um, their uh, international folks who are coming here. They're all, they've already been called by their particular church group to serve, but they have no credentialing of any kind, and so they're trying to build their credentialing and uh, their skills and their talents. And so uh, we end up supporting a lot of ethnic churches by training some of their uh, ministry people and some of their support staff, and so. Uh, we've been doing it for uh, for 90 years, and uh, we're stable, and we look we've got a bright future, and we've got a model of education that doesn't require um, our tuition. By the way, guys, is 250 Canadian dollars per hour, which is uh, oh. which is an amazing deal. And so, wow. I don't know why American students aren't saying, "Hey, let's knock our first two years out at ABC and get a Canadian." experience. And by the way, let me remind your your listeners that Calgary is right next to Banff. And if you've never been to Banff oh, and yeah. the, the the park, the inter, you know, the national park and the mountains, Lake Louise, I mean, we live in a, a beautiful, a beautiful, pristine area. So, um, but that's what our work's been about for the last uh, 90 years is preparing people for various kinds of ministry. And we define ministry pretty broadly because we're training people uh, for uh, nonprofit ministries, for building their own nonprofits, largely building nonprofits within the Canadian context because there's particular hoops to jump through. But uh, one of our primary areas, we prepare a lot of counselors. And so we're one of the fastest ways for a person who decides they want to do counseling to, to get their undergraduate degree out of the way so they can move on to their master's because they really can't start working uh, as a counselor without the, without. And so uh, this little school impressively sends seven or eight people a year to graduate school to do further training, to do ministry, uh, not only in uh, the world of biblical scholarship, but also particularly in the world of counseling. And there's a big need for counseling now because of the state of the world in which we live. So so you can find us on our website. So abccampus.ca is our, is our domain. So just take a look at the website sometime and you'll see some of the things that we're doing. Well, after you've described the tuition and the beauty of that area, you may have a rush of applicants here. Um, I, I hope you get some that well, uh, might come your way. That, no, no, no. We'd, we'd, love, we'd love to have anybody that's kind of preparing for the next stage of their ministry. And so one of our, one of our slogans, which ties to our mission statement, is that we help prepare people for God's next. Mm, so, well, I like that. And so, so we've got lots of, lots of different kinds of next that our students do. Well, Stan, we're going to do something kind of fun right now. We're going okay, to go into our lightning round, and I'm going to ask Drew to kick us off. We'll go back and forth. And uh, so, uh, Drew, Sounds why good. don't you kick us off with our lightning round questions? All right, Stan. If you're given a choice and you had to do one or the other, would you rather go scuba diving or skydiving? And have you done either? I have. I've. I've not done either, but I would. I would prefer skydiving. All right. 
Good yeah, I think, the right. rush, yep. I think the rush would be far better. <laughs> Give it a choice, a night in or a night out? Ooh, I'm bookish, so a night in is, 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 uh, is something I might be doing. Um, I might even be reading an ancient manuscript. So, um, yeah, yeah. So I'm sure the readers did not care for that, but (laughs) cozied up by the fire with a good ancient manuscript. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of which, given that we're in Canada, the fire is available about half the year. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So would you willingly do karaoke? No. In public, not at home. (laughs) No, but as odd as it, since I grew up in Acapella Churches of Christ, I would attempt to lead a song in front of an audience, which is pretty much karaoke. Same thing. <laughs> <laughs> I've done that, and I felt like I was doing karaoke. Yes. Mm-hmm. Who makes the best pizza? And and what do you like, thin or thick crust or deep dish? Chicago deep dish. Mm. Yeah. Do you have a favorite pizza maker? It uh, happened to be founded by a University of Texas graduate, by the way, Chicago-style pizza. Just, oh, just okay. throwing that out there. Right. Interesting yeah. tidbit there. Yeah, I did not know yeah. that. All right. What is, uh, what's one of your all-time favorite movies? All-time favorite movies? Well, I'm kind of a Star Trek, Star Wars guy, so I like all of those. But I tell you, the movie that probably has moved me more than anything else is um, 12 Years a Slave. Mm, okay. Solomon Northrup's original owner was a disciple. Ah. So there's a tie into history. When we lived in Louisiana, we actually visited all of the physical locations that we could locate in his in his uh book. Solomon Northrup wrote this book in 1853 and he's so on the detail. The historians say he he got nearly all of it right. And so oh. so when we lived in Louisiana, we would we would take Opposite the evening in, we would take weekends out to visit some of these historical locations, many of well, which you can see. an interesting go. podcast in and of itself to bring yeah. you back to talk about. Oh, I'd love to. All yeah. right. Well, one more of these. Okay. All right. One more. One more. You've only got one food again for the rest of your life that you can eat. What is it? Okay. Are you, are you saying this from a positive way? It's something that... You really want to eat, but you're never going to get it again. Or are you saying this is something that you never want to eat again? Let's because go with the first. Which one? Oh, that I never want to eat again? <laughs> no, that you, you, you would want oh, that, to eat again. Oh, you would want to eat again. It's all and, you can eat again for the rest of your life. Oh, man. I would say Texas-style brisket. Ooh, nice. Mm-hmm. Good yeah. choice. Yeah, boy. Yeah. Well, you're making me hungry, and it's getting uh, kind of close to lunchtime here. Um, yeah. Probably closer to dinner time where you are. But uh, it has been so good to have you with us, Stan. This has just been a no, great no. conversation. No, thanks. It's been fun getting to know you guys a bit. Well, we hope you'll come back and join us on the podcast again in the future. It sounds just from the conversation, I feel like there's half a dozen other conversations that I'd love to have that, that, uh, to explore some of these things uh, more. Um, I want to mention that the uh, dinner Drew mentioned up at the Pepperdine Lectures Harbor, which is coming up in May. We hope you'll join us there. Our our listeners are going to be at Harbor. We'd love to meet you. We'd love to talk to you more about this ministry. Uh, There's a $20 registration uh, for that benefit dinner because we are using it to raise a little bit of funds for this ministry. We're trying to step out and 
do more proactively and, you know, adding a little staff and uh, all this cost. So uh, we, we hope it's worth your time and worth coming to the dinner, but we wanted to make you aware of that uh, registration cost. So um, Drew, I'm going to see you at Harbor. Yes, sir. Looking forward to it. Man, it has been so good to be with you and to work with you on this together. Um, Stan, we wish you well. Is there anything you'd like to close out with as we uh, head out? Anything you'd like to say to our listeners before we get away? I just petition everybody's prayers for the work that we do here to prepare people for ministry and and for uh, what it's like to live in a post-Christian country and um, uh, that God would give us the wisdom to know how to live it well. Mm. Yeah, that's a great request. We uh, we hope many people listening honor that request and pray for your good work there. Mm. All right, everybody. We look forward to being back with you in a couple of weeks for another good conversation about unity with unity-minded followers of Christ. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for listening to the Common Grounds Unity Podcast. Please check out commongroundsunity.org to learn more about who we are. You can subscribe to the essays, join our Facebook group, or find our YouTube channel. And please check out the gatherings page where you can connect with other unity-minded Christians in your area. If you want to volunteer or ask questions, please email john at commongroundsunity.org. And lastly, we need your help by donating to this ministry of reconciliation. Your donation is tax deductible. Links for donating are in the show notes or on our website. Until next time, God bless. And remember, unity starts with a cup of coffee.